0: hi guys gals non-binary pals welcome back to episode three uh for our mystery part of magic manuscripts and mysteries today we're going to talk about wilderness camp deaths i'm melissa
1: and i'm Maeve. uh this is something that i haven't really thought about too much but apparently melissa has been on a deep dive for this and has been absolutely obsessed with Thinking about wilderness camps for a little bit of time now so she's kind of more of the expert on this topic but I'm very intrigued by everything that is happening apparently in these camps
0: yeah um at the top of this episode I do want to put in a trigger warning um Ooh, yeah. so a trigger warning for child abuse drugs death and mental health discussions yep. um if this is triggering at all for you uh maybe this isn't the episode for you and just come back Um, for a different episode. I don't want anyone to feel like they have to listen um, or be triggered in any way.
1: Yeah we've got some other episodes out now and we will not be talking about all this stuff uh, on every episode for Mysteries. This is just specific to this one right now.
0: So with that said the reason why I was so intrigued by wilderness camps and the troubled teen industry is that um, when I was younger, I got a free book from the library because, of course, I do that (laughs) thing where, like, you read a certain amount of books in a month and then they give you a free book as, like, a a consolation prize, (laughs) essentially. (laughs) Um, And it was called Bad Girls by Alex McCauley. Um, and this was actually a book about a teenager who gets into trouble with, um, she gets pregnant um, as a teen by an adult. Um, and rather than, you know, punish the adult because he's, you know, uh, doing illegal things. Yeah. Um, They decided to send their troubled teen, quote unquote, to a... Um, I think they called it, like, a wilderness therapy or, like, yeah. a behavioral center. Um they're like, it's summer camp. It's fine. You can go. Nope. And <laughs> it was anything but that. So ever since then, um, my interest has always been piqued by these topics. And so now that we have this podcast, I would love to talk about wilderness camps, wilderness therapy. It has a lot of names. Yeah. Um,
1: I actually, like, I, I was looking into this, and it's, like, apparently, like, it's – there's no solid name for what these are. There's got like multiple names, which is kind of difficult to pin down what these are and what they should or should not be doing type thing, right?
0: Right, yeah. Um, So essentially, what is a wilderness camp? Um, Like like we said, it goes by many names. So there's wilderness therapy, there's outdoor behavioral health care. And the study I found, there's a lot of studies I have, and they'll all be noted in our show notes. Mm -hmm. Um, There isn't one set name for these groups. And that's what the research has also said, Um, which, again, makes it hard to pin down (laughs) like May was saying, what these camps should or should not be doing um, and also classifying them. Mm. Because if you have, you know, you have therapy and therapy is underneath one word, but then you have umbrella groups of different types of therapy but they're all classified and they're all kind of universally known. Um, and yeah. so that makes it easier for someone to sit down and be like, okay, hey, when we're looking at this kind of therapy, how, how are we taking care of our patients? Um, whereas if there's different names for one thing, it can kind of be confusing and maybe a little bit easier to deceive people. Yeah. Uh, into thinking that this might be something good when it, might not be. So uh, from the Office of the Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention Literature Review of 2011, <laughs> um, wilderness camps or challenge programs or wilderness therapy programs are residential placements that provide participants with a series of physically challenging outdoor activities designed to prevent or reduce delinquent behavior. And oh, I cannot pronounce that. Recidivism? I am Recidivism. dyslexic. We are both dyslexic. <laughs> So, you know, a lot of fancy words yeah. to kind of coerce you into thinking that this is a challenge program or a wilderness therapy where, yeah, um, I guess, patients or participants, as they say, um, are put in to physically challenging outdoor activities in order to reduce or prevent delinquent behavior. Whatever that delinquent behavior is that is deemed yeah. delinquent.
1: Yeah, like... I don't, are are we classifying, this is something I had a question on for this. Are we classifying delinquent behavior as also like, you just went through severe trauma and are depressed and now you're a delinquent? like
0: And you're acting out because you're traumatized?
1: Right, yeah. Like So we're going to put someone who has severe depression in with someone who has anger issues, right? Uh, That sounds like a fantastic mix, apparently. Uh, But it's also like, from what I was looking at, I was like, these are done sometimes by court order or like parents who feel like, and, and quote unquote here, control their child. They can't do that anymore. So mm-hmm. it sounds wonderful though, from like that description, it's like, oh, we're going to send our kid. They're going to get therapy they're gonna go outside and play and, you know, go through some challenging obstacle courses and stuff. Yeah. That's not the case sometimes.
0: <laughs> right. And so also pulling from that book, Bad Girls, that I had read, This was also mentioned in the book. And I'm not taking this as, like, evidence or research-backed evidence. um, But there were kids who were at that camp in the book who, um, you know, had behavioral issues and came to the camp um, as it was advertised. But there were also some other girls who went to the camp um, because their parents couldn't afford to send them to an actual summer camp. Oh, no. And so – There's one character who goes and she's like, oh, well, you know, my parents couldn't afford summer camp, so I came here, and it's not what I thought at all. So, again, not basing this off of actual researched evidence, but I'm sure that there are some kids who came to these programs thinking it was maybe a hiking trip or, like, a summer camp, and they got the complete opposite.
1: Like, I feel like... a some of us have gone to camp growing up like I went to Girl Scouts and so I went to camp and that was a ton of fun so as someone who's like reading this and went to camp and did like this physically challenging outdoor activities that they're talking about yeah this seems like a fun trip but Mm -hmm. at the same time it is not apparently like I'm not saying that it's all of them maybe some of them are helpful I'm, I'm not going to demonize all of them, but right. from what we've seen and what we've heard and the research that, at least you've done some research on this, I, I just, mm-hmm. I know some of it, but it, it doesn't seem like a good thing.
0: Yeah. I, I will say there are quite a lot of people, when I did do my research, um, that were commenting in posts. Again, this is not evidence-based. This is just anonymous people posting about their experiences. Yeah who did say like without this group or without this therapy this wilderness camp I would not be here. Yeah. And so, you know, you can't you can't disprove that. Um, and you can't say like well your experience doesn't matter because there are like 30,000 to 50,000 youths each year Whoa. that are going through these programs. Ooh. So, to say that all of them had a bad experience is not the case. Like there are people, like that's a lot of that's a lot of teens. So there are teens who have grown up and look back on their experiences at these wilderness camps and do say that they did have a good outcome. Yeah. But I think what we are talking about this, it's not those good outcomes that we're talking about. It's what happens when things can go horribly, horribly wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I I wanted to focus on that aspect. Uh, In 2008, the OBH, which is the Outdoor Behavioral Health Claire, which is also wilderness therapy, which is also wilderness camp, um, (laughs) in the United States, included approximately 150 programs serving 30,000 to 50,000 youth each year. Now, a lot of the studies that I'm pulling from are a little outdated. So you're going to find 2008, 2007, 2011. And that's because there isn't a lot of government oversight for yeah. all of these therapies. There's there's 150 programs that they found in 2008. Wow. Um, and so there's very little oversight So there's nothing that's very current or up-to-date, really. Yeah, even Um, the one
1: that I did find that was, like, the one that you mentioned earlier, the Office of Juvenile Justice and Delinquency, that's from 2011. mm -hmm. So even the government... It's been 11 years. (laughs) The government's a little behind on this, from what I could see.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So kind of looking at that 150 programs with um, 300,000... Oh, sorry, 30,000 to 50,000 mm-hmm. youths. There was a 2013 study that found that 77% of youths moved into um, a residential treatment following Whoa. one of the outdoor behavioral health care programs. Um,
1: oh my gosh. Which meant that
0: they, the health care that they received, that, that wilderness camp, was not enough and they needed another treatment um, that was more residential that, rather than yeah. being outdoor.
1: That makes me sus. That makes me sus Mm -hmm. because, like, these are supposed to be places where people can go and they can get help. And the fact that they have to go back in for help, yeah, sometimes it's going to happen. But 77%? Mm -hmm.
0: That's
1: an insane amount of kids probably coming out with more trauma than they went in with and are being sent to a different place to receive care. Like, that's insane.
0: And so that's not... the worst part of it either. No, no. <laughs> so <No. laughs> a 2016 study reported that um, another wilderness treatment program, we're not going to say certain names, because no, we yeah. don't want to dox those those companies, even though they probably should be held accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are companies that have a lot more money than we do. So we are not going <laughs> to try and, nope. and try and dox them at this time. We think larger government officials uh, should be able to do that at that time. Oh, yeah. However, um, so another wilderness program recommended up to 95% of <sighs> their youth move on to aftercare in a residential treatment.
1: I'm sorry. So, no. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. No.
0: <laughs> now granted I will say that these some of these teens are very troubled they do have yeah. you know a whole host of, of mental health issues um, or behavioral issues but if that's the case why uh, yeah. are you are they being physically challenged outdoors oh for gosh, yeah. an unknown amount of time
1: yeah because I haven't
0: even gotten to that part yet oh gosh a lot of the teens are taken, out of their homes uh without any knowledge that this is happening and they are not told when they get to go home they are (gasps) not told how long their stay is oh no Uh, they have oh yeah no it's um and it's all up to sometimes the parents sometimes a court order and sometimes up to the the people in charge of the teens themselves
1: I, oh my gosh. So that so the, you're telling me that the people in charge of the team. So those are the people who run the camps, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. So, so they who are profiting, right? They're profiting off of this. They could just tell you your team needs more time. Yes. And continue taking money. Yes. Oh. Oh no. Oh no.
0: Yeah. It's like I said. I I really think that there should be I some sort of yeah. No. I get where standard. you're standard. Yeah, Yeah. so so 95% of these teens move on to aftercare in another treatment center. If that's the case, why don't they just go to, I don't know, like a, a mental health facility yeah. where they have doctors and they have, not saying that all mental health facilities are infallible. No, yeah. Because that's not the case either. Because our the mental health industry in our country is horrific. It's um, not,
1: yeah. It's not the best. Maybe it works for some people. But from the people right. that I know personally, uh, it, it did not work.
0: <laughs> right.
1: It made it worse.
0: And so, you know, if 95% of these youths are going to a mental health facility after this wilderness treatment, why weren't they there to start with? Like, why, yeah. why did, you know, like, it just feels very much like you took the parents' money or you took the government's money if it was a court order. Mm-hmm. And you ran with it. And then at the end of their stay, you were like, well, you know, we didn't really fix them. Or not fix, because fix is not the correct term here. We yeah. didn't help them.
1: We didn't give them the tools to be able yes. to get treatment for what they need treatment on. So, like, you need tools. Like, I personally have anxiety. I need tools to get through my day. I was taught that through therapy. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you to my parents for giving me therapy. Uh, but, uh, I don't know. If someone were to come and take me and my parents were... They, my parents would think that the best things were happening for me, right? Because they, right. they believe that these places would probably be good for me. And yet, 95%, I would probably have to go back to another treatment facility, which would be another form of financial weight on my parents. Mm-hmm. That's just... oh.
0: Oh no! So the median length of these stays was in a in a um, a research article um, was found to be seventy days, whereas the mean is ninety or eighty nine days. And they they say that the median is more likely accurate because the data included extreme scores, what? such as participants who stayed for two hundred to three hundred days. I uh, uh, why? Why? Right. So <laughs> they they're like, oh well, you know, our, our research is kind of skewed because there are some teenagers who stayed for over two hundred to three hundred days. So let's just look at our median length, which was seventy days, which is still two months and change.
1: Yeah. Um you can't there's how many wait. I'm trying to think of like how long even summer vacation is.
0: Usually from June to July. Or sorry, June to August, which is three months.
1: Yeah. Oh my. This is Mm -hmm. horrific. Oh my gosh. Why? Why are you allowing, first off to the parents, why are you allowing your kids to be gone for 300 days? 300 days. I don't know. As a person who isn't a parent, I can't speak on that, but I feel like a parent would be concerned.
0: And a lot of the advertisements for these programs are really good at Um. telling parents like, You have a troubled team. We know how to take care of them. And you know, for some parents, they feel like they're at their wit's end. Yeah. And so they'll do anything, they'll pay anything to get their child the help that they think that they need.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I understand. The manipulation on trying, because that's manipulation. If you're keeping someone Mm -hmm. there for 300 days, probably against their will, you got to have some form of really good marketing. Not to
0: mention that most insurances do not cover this kind of therapy.
1: So they're paying out of pocket to have their kid in these places.
0: Which is 10, like easily $10,000. Oh, oh, oh
1: no. I don't know how many times I've said, oh no, but oh no.
0: (laughs) And that's not even the worst part out of all of this. <laughs> I hate to say it. Um, so a 2007 from the, uh, in 2007, from the Government of Accountability Office, or the GAO, mm. reported finding that um, there was, they found significant evidence of ineffectual management that led mm. to the death of 10 what? participants. What? including poorly trained staff and a lack of sufficient food.
1: Wait, wait, how do you have a lack of sufficient food? How how do you do that? I'm, I'm sorry, I get the poorly trained staff part. I can get that uh, because, you know, I just expect that. Uh, but <laughs> the the lack of food is what gets me, okay? Mm-hmm. If you're going to be having someone, per se, like from for 300 days, like not even someone, you know you're going to have an around an estimate of around so many kids you should know how much food to feed are you oh my gosh
0: they're starving kids right so in my research I found that a lot of these camps were using food as a motivator um which meant that you know once you're once you're done with your training and the training meant walking five miles 10 miles 20 miles um with very little food and very little water as a way to almost break them down and so that because they're physically demanding yeah like this exercise they won't participate in quote delinquent behavior
1: that's ridiculous we
0: see this in cults too where and we can get into cults as a whole other topic but when you physically give people labor Mm. you break them down so that they can't even think about running away true And that they're very malleable and that they'll just do whatever you say because they are so exhausted that there is nothing for them to do but listen.
1: Yeah. Like, if you've walked just 20 miles, what are you going to do? Are you going to have the energy to fight to be treated like a human? Or are you going to take the food that's being put in front of you? Like, I would take the food. Mm -hmm. No question. I wouldn't even be able to walk the 20 miles. (laughs) Yeah. I I walk two miles and I'm winded. I don't understand how someone could walk 20 miles. You'd yeah. have to be in great shape.
0: And a lot of these places are in like Nevada or Oregon, Colorado. So a lot of height and elevation too. Yeah. So it's not just walking on a straight path. It is hiking mountains. It wow. is, these are extreme circumstances that they're in. And if you're not someone who already participates in those kind of um, challenging exercises, it can be very hard to adapt because they are asking a lot out of you on day one alone.
1: Sounds like boot camp. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds like boot camp. I want to touch
0: on the poorly trained staff as well from that government accountability office study. Yeah. Um, You would think, you know, if you are saying that you are a, a wilderness therapy camp, that the people who work there are trained professionals, right?
1: I would hope, yeah.
0: You would think that they would have, I don't know, maybe, you would think that they would have maybe a bachelor's in psychology.
1: I would hope for more, but yeah.
0: Just, you know, maybe maybe they're not like the top person there, but maybe they're one of the counselors. And you would think that they would have just the barest, idea of how to take care of these, like, teenagers that they are in charge of. Or, yeah. if not that, that they would have someone on staff who was a trained medical expert. Like, not not exactly, like, a doctor because, you know, these people are going on the hikes with these teens. But I would expect maybe a nurse. A nurse yeah. practitioner. Someone who, first aid. Literally anything.
1: Yeah, first aid. That, yeah, that's something you need to run a Not camp. the case. What? Not even. Oh. Oh. Not so even first aid.
0: <laughs> in some of these camps there was a nurse on staff. Okay. Sometimes. Oh. Um or there was, you know, someone at the camp itself where there was like a doctor or they had some sort of mental health like therapist. Sometimes. <laughs> but they did not go on the hikes with those teams. What? So these teens are going with counselors for a majority of their day without access to those professionals.
1: But it's a, it's supposed to be a camp to help with those things. Like, I don't get it. Like, you need help with the psychological thing or like mm-hmm. trauma. You, yeah. Working out. Fantastic. Gotta say. You get a lot of Good chemicals going up in that brain of yours and it disperses around your body. Fantastic. Putting someone to the point of fatigue with no mental help whatsoever is going to make their mental state worse.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that, you know, exercising can't assist you and help you with your mental health. Because, you know, there there are studies that prove that, you know, with exercise, Mm -hmm. uh, the right diet, and you know the right mental health facilities and like yes. places that you can go to, where like go see a therapist. Exercise and diet can help a lot, but sometimes you need more than that. Yeah, and that's okay. And for, and that's okay. And for these teens, they weren't having the proper access to. It was very heavily on. Let's get you to do this exercise. Sometimes we'll give you food. <laughs> oh. oh no! And then if you're really good, you get to go home at the end of this.
1: Oh oh no that that last part there if you're really good you get to go home honestly if my parents put me through that i wouldn't want to go home i wouldn't i would not respect them for what they just did to me because that's 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 prison that's basically prison that's not treatment that's horrible these poor kids
0: And I do remember that there was a show way back in, like, I want to say, like, the 2010s or the 2000s, Mm. where there was a wilderness camp shown on TV. Oh, yeah. And I – it was, like, a bunch of teenagers, and they were, like, in a Wild Wild West situation. I don't know if this was a fever dream. uh,
1: No, Um, because I do have a thought process of something similar. Uh, Sound out in the comments.
0: Yeah, or send us an email if I'm, like, just – This was just a fever dream. But I do remember that it was on TV, but I don't think it lasted very long. And I'm thinking that's because they found (laughs) that this was not okay. Yeah. I I know. I feel like this is going to be a multiple-parter because I might go back and do some research on this. (laughs) to Because when you record stuff for TV, there are certain laws yeah. Um. The And certain things that you have to sign up to, to make sure that you are in the parameters of, like, working legally. Okay. And I have a feeling that because these teenagers were on this show, maybe... Was it called Scared Straight? No, that's something that's else. That's a different that's, one. That's a different yeah. one. Yeah. But I have a feeling that because these teenagers were on this show, they couldn't do the full extent of the quote-unquote wilderness therapy that they wanted to. Yeah. But the counselors, not the teens, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because when you record minors for films or like even on on um like on broadway you have certain hours of the day that they can be working and then they have to go to school or like relax like you have minor laws um which vary state by state i'm pretty sure but i have a feeling that because it was being recorded they couldn't do anything to the full extent of what they wanted to do for these teens yikes okay but I would love to do more research. And if you're enjoying this, let, let us know, and we can do a whole, a whole like deep dive into this, because it is horrifying and fascinating at the same time.
1: <laughs> yeah, like this is this is some terrifying stuff. Like just putting myself in the thought process of like a teenager already troubled as is. Like I feel like as a teen, there you are troubled. You are already troubled. Like I don't care. There's probably a spectrum of how troubled you are you are a teenager nothing is okay your body's doing weird things and the world is on fire that's a normal teenage experience right Mm
0: -hmm. yeah thank you
1: (laughs) (laughs) like this isn't uh i already know i'm mentally ill but like i also like to make sure that i'm not crazy sometimes for being like you know teenager that was really rough life was horrible
0: And, like, as a teenager, life is so tumultuous. Like, you are going through so many things. Like, whether that's, um, I don't know, I feel like when you're a teenager, you're just starting to get certain freedoms that you didn't have as a kid. Yep. Um, A lot of kids go through bullying, and that kind of carries through to teenager. They even have social media, which is way more than what the generation before us had. Um, Yeah. And so there is this distinct difference of, you know, the, the parents' generation and the teenage generation where certain things aren't lining up. Like, yeah. teenagers now have social media, whereas their parents did not. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of this inability, like, inability to kind of reconcile these two generations. And this yeah. might be viewed as a troubled teen because, like, maybe they're getting bullied online and they can't tell their parents about it. So they're acting out at home because... They don't know how to feel their feelings. Yeah. And their parents are like, I can't handle you. You need to go to this camp.
1: There were plenty of times where I think my parents got really frustrated with me. And, like, it it wasn't just social media growing up with that. It was a lot of other things that I just was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm going to keep that locked in. So, yeah, I think there's probably times when my parents sent me to Girl Scout camp to just have someone fix me. Or yeah, not fix me what make me happy in a way that they were obviously not able to do at that time frame and then I eventually opened up and things got better but
0: yeah or even just to have kind of you know if you have a teenager who's you know moody or grumpy (laughs) you can send them to a regular summer camp (laughs) That's where they'll go meet some friends and then they kind of get I hate to say like a reprieve from their kid but they do yeah. And I wonder if these parents are like at just such a wits end that a mm. normal summer camp just won't cut it anymore.
1: Because like we were saying earlier, like 300 days, like as a parent, I, I, I gotta just, like I'm, I'm not a parent, uh, but as someone like, I know my mom, my mom was so upset seeing me go to Girl Scout camp every single year. And every single year I just walk away. I would just be like, bye I'm gonna go have the time of my life uh and have fun but for my mom she just was such she's such a loving person so she was just like my daughter has left me so I'm just like imagining 300 you really gotta be at your wits end for allowing Mm -hmm. your child to be away from you for 300 days because that's that's too long
0: yeah or and I hate to even say this, but I would assume you'd have to have a lot of money and very little interest in your child at that point.
1: Which is, like, the even worst worse. <laughs> case scenario. Because, yeah. like, even then, like, if you're being manipulated to think that this child is doing good for your kid, that's not really on you. That's on the people who are manipulating you. But if you are a person who are, like you know what, I've got a lot of money and I don't have time to deal with you. I'm just going to send you this camp, but have fun. And they're gone for 300 days. All
0: of that is on you. And not to mention, like, that was maybe one of the more extreme situations. But if we remember the the statistics, like, they are most likely to go to another facility after that. So, So, yeah. So not only are they there for 300 days at the (sighs) most extreme end of the spectrum they then most likely are going somewhere else for a God knows how many more yeah. weeks, months, maybe years.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's horrific.
0: Oh. Yeah. Um, so this just feels very, using the words of the GAO report, ineffective management. It just <laughs> yeah. feels ineffective. It, it feels like nothing here is working. Yeah.
1: And correct me if you're if I'm wrong, but you wouldn't send your child to some place that has been deemed as ineffective management.
0: Yeah. So and here's the thing is that like who's when you're looking for a place to send your child, if they are, you know, this troubled. I mean, would you would you look at a government report or would you look at this bright, shiny website that's telling you, like, fix true. your kid? You know, see, I don't know if many parents are going to kind of like pros and cons, like do a deep dive into it. They should. Yeah. But are they going to when when this one website feels very much like a problem-solving solution?
1: Yeah, no, valid, because I think think we're kind of unique in the way that we see things. I feel like we Mm -hmm. really analyze things and we dive in and we're like, okay, this seems okay. But let's see if there's something better and see if that will work for us. Because we just, I don't know, it's something in our nature where we have to look into every corner and then see if it works. But I guess, yeah, if you give someone the shiny pamphlet and they're not necessarily someone who's going to think the worst outcome of something, then they're going to be like, you know what, my kid really needs help and I can't give them this help. Let me send them to a camp where they can go pet horses or go Mm -hmm. for long hikes contemplate life and
0: this was also early 2000s I'd say so I mean yes the internet is a thing but our parents using it as no. much as like we now know how to use it I don't think so I mean All, yeah I might be wrong but like <laughs> I I don't know I I don't think that we had the full viewpoint and, and scope of what the internet could do and and that like the internet can lie <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think that was one thing that we all had to come to terms with was that, like, the internet, along with other forms of communication, is not always accurate. Mm -hmm. And so it's something we all had to learn. But I remember only having one desktop in the house growing up. Right.
0: And I do want to close out uh, this one study just by saying that I also found that there is technically no comprehensive statistics because there is almost no regulation (laughs) of this industry.
1: No, you have to. You've got so,
0: to. <laughs> like we said earlier, a lot of these studies are older because there's, yeah. no, like, there's no comprehensive way to kind of look at all 150 or more camps yeah. that there are because there's no regulation of the industry. Um, I have seen attempts to change that, um, yeah. but nothing that's been, from what I could see from my, my research, nothing that has been passed into law as of yet. Wow, that's insane. Uh, And this is like over a decade ago. So I do want to talk about how they get these teens to come here. So for some, some do know that they're coming. Some are, you know, dropped off by their parents and they go to this camp, which is probably the least traumatic way to do it. Yeah. So some parents will, you know, fly their kid out there, say goodbye, give the child, the the teen over to the counselors and the Mm. program And so, and they, you know, say goodbye and then they fly back home and they'll be in touch with the program. The parents will be, um, and they'll, you know, get reports about their kids. Whereas others, if they feel as if other parents, if they feel that their teen might run, if they tell them there are transport staff, Mm. which will come to pick up your kid oh, and will, if needed. Physically restrain the teenager and put them into a truck oh and boy. take them away.
1: Oh boy. If they were in trouble before, they're troubled now.
0: Yeah. I'm pulling this from a research article from 2015. So it's Tucker et al. Explained that if an adolescent physically resists, the transport staff may use physical force, i.e. therapeutic holds or physical restraints, what? to maintain the safety and completion of the transport. What?
1: I'm sorry. What is a therapeutic hold? What is that?
0: I'm not entirely sure. Um, I have to think that it means like, you know, um, (laughs) this is, this could be wrong, but you know when you see like those old time um, movies and they kind of like restrain.
1: Yeah. They strap you down. Yeah. They,
0: they strap you down or they have very large staff who do hold you back. Oh, so I have to think that's what they're talking about. It's because they talk about therapeutic holds.
1: I got it. I, I Googled it. I Googled Or
0: it. Oh, no. Or physical restraint. Oh, my which gosh. Which would be, like, restraints.
1: Yeah. So a therapeutic, uh, therapeutic holding is a treatment technique in which a violent patient is physically contained by mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. rather than a mechanical or chemical restraints or seclusion. So they're right. physically restraining a teenager... Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a teen. Like, I don't know about you. I, I was a small little thing. So I don't know. I feel like that would have messed me up right away.
0: But yeah. Oh, uh, no. It's just, it feels, again, ineffectual. It feels as if rather than having a one-on-one conversation with your teen. Yeah. And being like, hey, I'm concerned about you. I'm worried about you. I would like for you to go to this treatment place. Yeah. Instead, they're like, they don't say anything. Sometimes these people, these transport staff would come in the middle of the night. That, that is
1: incredibly wrong. Oh, like,
0: also, It is traumatizing.
1: Yeah, it's traumatizing. And how are you supposed to work on trust? Like, I'm sorry. Yes. You should have trust in your relationship with your child. If there's no trust coming from you and the kid in either relationship, you you have nothing to build off of. And if you literally have what sounds like kidnapping done to your child to take them to a camp, they're never going to trust you again.
0: Mm -hmm. That's insane. And a 2010 study identified that the lack of informed consent an involuntary admission of adolescence as compromising the values and professional code of ethics yep. of program staff and therapists.
1: Yeah, th- no actual therapist would agree to this. I'm sorry. Like, I feel like I'll, I'll, I'll hit up my therapist and see what <laughs> she thinks. But no, I feel like no person would think that this is probably the best idea for your kid. Like, If right. you're in the medical field, I don't know tell us if it was ever a thing that you would agree to type thing but I just, I wouldn't I would never, I feel like that's an absolutely ridiculous thing and I think I, I remember watching this back on like an episode of like a celebrity thing where they they were like, let's talk to a troubled teen and they were like, let's send them to this camp. I think I do remember at one point they had to physically grab the kid and put them in the car and I was like, mm-hmm what are you doing?
0: Yeah. What are you doing? I can think of also a lot of um, instances of media where like, so in, um, if you've seen the OA, there's, Yep. I'm not doing any spoilers, but there is, I think it's like season two, one of the kids is like essentially being told that he has to go to these camps and they, they do come with a white van and they do try and yeah. And I think this is why their staff isn't therapists, because technically, by doing this, you are breaking or bending your code of ethics.
1: Yeah, like, I know that act the doctors that uh, deal with your body and rather your mind, they have to take the code of ethics of do no harm. I feel mm-hmm. like it's probably similar. The hypothetic to oath, this. yeah. The hypothetic, yeah. Yeah. Hi- Hippocratic oath. Hippocratic yeah. oath. And so I feel like it's probably extremely similar. And if this is causing harm, this is mm-hmm. no way, shape, or form going to be something this person ever truly heals from.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. like, it's it's very traumatic, especially if they come at night. Because who's to say that you're not going to then have essentially PTSD yeah. of people breaking into your home. and And sometimes... In these instances, when they're being taken out of their homes, their parents are awake and watching. And you as a kid are calling out to your parent and your parent is doing nothing to stop them. Oh my gosh. No,
1: I, your kid should be taken from you. Like, if you think that's the proper way of taking care of your child, you're not, like, I'm sorry, that's not okay. Like, I get trying to get your kid help. I just can't imagine as like, a parent watching your kid call out for you, telling someone to stop, and not stopping it. I can't. I can't. Yeah. Like that would break my heart.
0: And I mean, again, I, I do want to say, like, these parents are being told this is what's best. Yes. So, it, and like, in their heads, they must be thinking, like, wow, my my kid is really, you know, calling out for help and really asking for help and and crying and upset but I know that they told me that this is going to happen and I need to see this through because their behavior is not going to change. And it's like, yeah, it's just a, a cyclical cycle. And like, as this child is, is asking for help, like scared, terrified, their parent is thinking, no, you know, this is the only way to fix this behavior. This is the only way to fix it. And like, I can't trust the feelings that they're currently having because they're still not quote unquote fixed. And this just fosters... a a horrible trust between you know the teenagers who are brought to the camp and the camp counselors or the the staff itself you have unwilling teenagers who want to be there who do not want to be there you have frightened teens who again are like terrified out of their mind and then you also have teens who were just dropped off by their families and so I feel like Mm. if that's kind of communicated between all three of those different types of teenagers you're gonna have a very different dynamic at that camp
1: yeah because everyone came of different areas and different volition because like I feel like I would be a traumatized kid the entire time if someone came and kidnapped me
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: I would, I would still be anxious if I was dropped off but I would be more trusting that my family is doing what's right for me yeah
0: and so you have these you know three different types of teens unwilling, frightened and dropped off by their parents and granted the ones that are dropped by their, by their parents could also be unwilling and frightened Yeah. Um, but they weren't kidnapped in the middle of the night <laughs>
1: Yeah, they get a little one up in the less trauma area.
0: I find that that could make a breeding ground for distrust amongst the teens and being like, "Well, my parents wanted me; they just dropped me off," um, versus a "Well, my parents <laughs> like had someone kidnap me." I could see that turning very bad very fast. Yeah. Rather than having them all come in on on the equal playing field, Mm -hmm. having them go to therapy, having them maybe do like art therapy, like talking in circles. Like, like, I don't know. I, I feel like if they all came in at the same equal playing field and they all had the same access to therapy, this would be much different.
1: Yeah. And it's like, if you center it around, we're trying to help you regardless of whether or not you, you want it. But doing it in a way that's like art therapy or talking, mm-hmm. that's better than we're going to send you for a 20-mile hike and you can get a meal. Like, that's not help. That is, I don't even know, breaking someone. That's literally yeah. breaking
0: someone. I think what's what's super important to also think of is when you're a teenager, a lot of your life revolves around your, your social life, like your friends.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: Um, you are usually cut off from your friends. And in certain cases for a lot of teens, they are flown to a different state. Yeah. So they're cut off from their friends, from anything that's familiar. They don't know any of the people that are around them.
1: Yeah. And
0: usually their phones are taken away and they have no outside contact. And their friends who might be asking their parents like, hey, where's where's Sally? The friends are told she went away. That's she it. She went away? Yeah. Oh. So, a lot of times, the idea here and why they do this is because maybe the friends are contributing to that bad behavior.
1: Well, yeah, okay, yeah. I don't I had friends growing up that were not good influences on me, so I get that I get that. But at the same time, like, I don't know i have I have an anxiety disorder. People scare me. That's the gist of everything. People and new things are absolutely terrifying. So taking away the people that would like calm me. Yeah, I couldn't do that. No. And it really oh.
0: leaves these teens to have a dependency on the staff at these camps.
1: The staff and then, like, you have to figure out where you fit in the social hierarchy of the place. Like, are you a loner or are you going to be a kid who's going to actually talk with people type thing? And I know myself as a teenager, I would have been a loner. I couldn't talk to people. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely not. Girl Scout camp, different. Different. I was social butterfly at Girl Scout camp, but if you sent me away to like this type of thing, no, no way you could get me to talk.
0: I I feel like I also wouldn't be talk because I'd be traumatized. Like that's yeah. the thing. And we also have to remember that these kids some are come some come here because of their parents. Some come here because they are court ordered, which means that they probably did something that they had to go to court for.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so it's not know.
0: just behavioral issues of, like, my kid's acting out. I need them to get, like, I need them to go somewhere so that they can change their behavior. Some of it is, this is a teenager who went to jail. Or this is a teenager who went here because they were able to get, like, a plea deal and went to this camp instead of going to juvenile jail. Which I yeah. feel like are two very distinct things. They
1: really are. Like, and not to say that the kids that, that go to jail are not, redeemable or good people but they're just on a different level as someone who has severe anxiety or depression than on the side of they've committed a crime
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it's just a different level and I don't know I feel like mixing mental illnesses that don't really correlate to one another is gonna
0: be bad too Mm -hmm. as I had mentioned earlier like there is Technically, you know, food abuse or water abuse, they're not getting... Sometimes they're having water and food be used as a motivator in order for them to do certain tasks. So that's happening. I do know that in certain cases, some of the counselors have weapons. What? Yes. Like Again, I'm not saying... What are we talking about, weapons? (laughs) So... There have been reports and, um, there is a wilderness camp death, um, list of everyone who has died from wilderness camps. Um, and there are some reports that, that some teens who were trying to run away were shot. What? You can't shoot a teen? So some counselors and some camps do own guns.
1: No, 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 no. First off, your kid is running away. There's an obvious reason why your kid is running away. You're just going to shoot them? Mm-hmm. First off, run after them. If you're doing the 20-mile hike and this kid is doing a 20-mile hike and they're able to run, you bolt. You grab them. You don't shoot them. And so
0: I do want to say that these are usually middle-class teens. Um <sighs> There is a, an author of the book, Help at Any Cost, How the Troubled Teen Industry Cons Parents and Hurts Kids. Oh she concludes in her book that many of the tactics employed by these camp programs um, are no different than what we use at Quatamino Bay. Um, so there's no waterboarding, <laughs> but she has documented cases of emotional attacks, physical abuse, withholding of food, water, and sleep. So This is all abuse. Like, this is not something that is going to help teens.
1: Well, good on them for not waterboarding children. But are you joking? Like, emotional attacking, abuse, like, physical abuse, whether that's, like, anything, like, punching. Why do you think you're going to be able to get away with that? And they have. They've gotten away with it, it looks like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, like, like we've said, like, there is no government oversight. There are no national standards that have certain parameters in these camps.
1: This is Um, ridiculous. Wow. I, I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier. I was just talking about like the Office of Juvenile Justice and Delinquency place. That one says like a lot of the things that they do are like really nice, helpful things. And a few of them are like specifically gendered based. So, mm. they they specifically cater to young girls, it says, and it's like, we're going to help them through sexual assault trauma or something along the lines of that type of stuff. I am terrified to think what they believe is good, after hearing all of this, is good for teens, specifically young girls, who've been through that type of trauma. Like, I don't know how you would go about helping them at one of these like that's absolutely insane but yeah that's that's what i i found because i was looking at it from the point of view of like let's see what the government has done and um it seems like they run their own camps type thing but they specifically say it's different than like the camps you send your kid to that's like army-based type mm. thing or so, like anything like that
0: so it seems like there's these wilderness camps that have no government oversight there are, you know, military camps. Yes. And then there's this, this other government-run camp that specifically caters to young women.
1: Yeah, it seems like a lot of them are for young women.
0: I'm going to look this of- up. <laughs> I'm just very curious. Okay, so it's the Office of Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention. Yes. Um, it provides national leadership, coordination, and resources to prevent and respond to youth delinquency and victimization. The office helps states, localities, and tribes oh? develop effective and equitable justice, juvenile justice systems that create safer communities and empower youth to lead productive lives, which is a lot of fun words to make people feel as though they are empowering youth. And stopping them from, you know, being delinquent yeah. Again, and I, I paused on tribes because I'm a little confused. And if anyone, if anyone knows more than me, feel free to email us at magic uh, at gmail.com. But I'm pretty sure that tribes, indigenous tribes, are sovereign. Yeah, they are. So <laughs> so why is the government coming in? And feeling uh, the need to—I yeah. mean, I know this is not new for the for the government. Nope. Um, this, but it feels very much like um, the American Indian, like residential schools, as well as the Canadian Indian residential schools. Um, yeah, and that yeah. makes me worried.
1: Yeah, and for people outside of the country, uh, basically to give an overview of what i know from these camps if you know more that would be great to know because i'm still trying to educate myself on this but a lot of these um a lot of these tribes would send their kids or they would be taken to these schools where their hair would be cut they couldn't interact culturally on any level they would have to speak english they would have to learn the um the religion that was popular which was Christianity uh, and everything that they would have was just taken from them and they would be punished uh, physically in some cases or even killed uh, so yeah the thought process that they're, they're mentioning tribes uh, seems kind of strange like maybe it they seems were suspicious trying to, yeah it, maybe they were trying to be inclusive but at the same time like as you mentioned they are sovereign their, their own nations they are their own people why are we taking people from their nations this is 2022 please leave them
0: alone please. it feels like um, we're just trying to and I say we as in the government it yeah. feels like the government is just trying to wedge themselves in there even like more than we've done over the centuries that yeah. this country has been around for It just feels, and I could be completely wrong. Yeah, it could be, it could be good, but I, it feels malicious.
1: It feels bad, Uh, and to, it just, it feels wrong. Like, I don't know why they would even mention tribes type thing. Like, why was that needed?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, maybe it is to be inclusive. Maybe because technically they do live underneath the umbrella of america yeah because we forced them to live here and we forced our (laughs) ideas on them yeah um so maybe maybe it's being more inclusive i would love to look at it as a positive viewpoint um but unfortunately i i feel like i cannot because of all the trauma that the american government has put upon indigenous people
1: yeah the the years of abuse in history of taking their land taking their people their culture away and everything it's hard to give a good little check mark of good job You're It's cause-. hard to
0: give the benefit of the doubt yeah. yeah
1: yeah it really is and from everything that I'm that I'm reading with you because you have put notes on here like it's everyone there's six pages of notes uh, of all of this interesting information of like, what these camps are, how do they operate type thing. I, I just, I can't see the positives. Like, <laughs> it's terrifying.
0: And we haven't even gotten to the deaths yet.
1: Oh my God. How, yeah. I think guys, we're going to have to split this up because it's getting very long. So yeah. I guess this will be part one. And then part two, we'll talk about the, the death. So I guess- the next mystery is just going to be part two of the wilderness camp deaths. mm
0: mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. If you've made it this far. Yeah. <laughs> um, our next magic episode will be on ancestor work. Um, so whether that's, you know, connecting with your ancestors, finding your ancestors, and kind of where to go once you have those tools in your pockets. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a heavier episode. Um, <laughs> I promise that our next one will be a little bit lighter.
1: Yeah, well, welcome to all those who are new, and thanks for following us if you're, you've you been listening from the beginning. Uh, we are so happy to have y'all here, and thanks for listening to this episode.
0: Our intro and outro music are Forest Lullaby by artist LSFM. Thank you to Nick for adding this podcast. We'd love if you could rate us five stars on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Um, it really helps our discoverability and promote us in the algorithm, and that way I can go on more tangents about things that I did a deep dive on.
1: Yeah, like, I I have tangents on my own. This reminds me of cults, in a way, and mm-hmm. I love cults. I love cults. Are they good? No. Do
0: I love them? Absolutely.
1: So yeah, <laughs> uh, join us for our obsessions, and I hope to see you in the next one.
0: Yeah. Um, And then follow us on social media, Magic Manuscripts and Mysteries on Instagram and mmnm 2022 on Twitter. Email us at magicmanuscriptsmysteries at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, especially if you have any insight into these camps. Mm -hmm. Um, And then link to all of our research that I've been spouting out this entire episode can be found (laughs) on our website, which is magicmanuscriptsmysteries.wordpress.com.